0: Okay, keep going. Or maybe instead you and me, we can uh, Netflix and chill. What you talking? Nothing. Hello and welcome back to What You Talking, a Kim's Convenience podcast. And today, we have a special episode involving guests from all over the world, including the UK, Australia, Pakistan, and right here at home in Toronto. And of course, joining me right here is Ruby, as always. Hi, everyone. So, uh, why don't we get the show on the road? Uh, We'll start with Adam, who's from the UK.
1: My name is Adam Cobb, I live in Manchester in the UK, and as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm originally from north of the border in Scotland. So, um... I came across Kim's Convenience in, I think it would have been July 2018. It was the usual weekend with nothing planned, scrolling through Netflix, looking for something to watch, and I came across this. And to be honest, as someone who'd recently returned from a trip to Toronto and Montreal and absolutely fallen in love with both of them, and who was in a long-distance relationship with a Korean person, this felt like a show that had been personally commissioned for me. So I immediately leapt on it. And as someone who is proud of the fact that he doesn't binge watch things, I got through the two seasons that were available in about a day and a half and then spent the next week feeling utterly bereft before just deciding to watch it again. I think the things about Kim's Convenience that most work for me are how accessible the show is. It's interesting. I've shown it to lots of different people from... uh, Different parts of my life, so um, my other half in Korea, my parents, uh, groups of friends, I've recommended it to colleagues, and all of them have loved it, but often for very different reasons. So a number of my friends here and myself identify a lot with Shannon, that kind of almost puppy dog-like enthusiasm and eagerness to please, but that inability to take risks, uh, in her case, asking Jung out, in all of our own cases, several different things, is just very familiar to me. And that kind of trying to be interesting and be entertaining and just slightly putting your foot in it. I'm the kind of person that will sit bolt upright at three o'clock in the morning thinking of something stupid I said three years ago that I'm sure no one else remembers and as a character that's something I can absolutely picture Shannon doing so um, I guess I identify with her on that level and then what also really made it work for me and particularly with my um, uh, other half in Korea is it's um, a show that you can watch that crosses that cultural divide. I've tried with Korean dramas, I've tried very hard, but with a couple of notable exceptions, there's just a barrier there that I find it quite difficult to get into. And the and, uh, same with my partner. And what we often found was the lack of... Uh, it's a shared cultural background is sometimes problematic. Um, when you meet new people anywhere, you often bond over the TV shows you've watched, movies you love, um, historical memories, so events that you've been to or things that happened during your childhood. And the problem with dating someone from the other side of the world is that it, it, to an extent, you don't have that background. You grew up watching different shows, you ate different foods, your mothers told you off for different things. So what really worked is, uh, on the one hand you had the um, Korean experience and on the other hand they were living in a very western setting and you know talking about tv shows and cultural tropes and lots of things that I recognized so it was really nice it's the first time I think we both sat down and watched a show and um, that was just something we could share and that that was a really special moment and now Um, after being over in Seoul over Christmas and uh, binging the series there for, I think, the fourth time in my life, um, we now watch um, the episodes every week, um, sitting on Skype, talking to each other, and watching Kim's Convenience. And it's become a regular thing that we do together, and I'm very grateful to the show for that. Um, What else is there to say? I think just overall, the style of comedy is just something that's very appealing. Um, As someone who's often found American sitcoms, the likes of the Big Bang Theory, that kind of thing, quite hard to take because of the kind of sledgehammer nature of the delivery of some of the jokes. I find Kim's convenience, the tone, the fact that it does little subtle things. And I think Canadian humour is a little bit more aligned with... um, british um sensitive humor and from that point of view it's much more accessible to people on this side of the pond anyway i feel i've rambled about this for about four minutes so i'll wrap it up there by saying uh, kim's convenience is almost certainly my um best show discovery of whew, last three or four years at least and if i'm ever in toronto when anyone else is around it would be lovely to have a kim bits meetup you need some international people there
0: Thank you, Adam. And you can find Adam at Adam Cobb on Twitter. The interesting thing that Adam brings up is the whole Netflix culture, because of course, when we were watching Kim's, we had to watch on a week-by-week basis versus everybody having to binge. And in his case, he's saying, you know, I I haven't binged any shows before, but I finished in a day and a half, which is, I guess, something new, something interesting about Kim's that. That I've been hearing about fans that a lot of people have just kind of binged the whole thing in a day or a day and a half.
2: Well, I think it's because they hear so much about the show and how everyone's tweeting about it, um, especially the the people in Canada, because we have the privilege of being able to see it when it comes out. Um, it It's just for anyone else, they they have to wait for Netflix to launch in their, their respective countries. So then once they get it, it's like, super exciting and it's like you start watching one and then you there's kind of a hook for the next one or you're kind of wondering hey what what happened to that relationship or what happened to um, what they were talking about and then you just want to see the next one to, to complete your kind of curiosity right
0: yeah the funny thing is that um, everybody once they're finished all their bidging in like one or two days they're like oh my god one season three coming out but <laughs> it, at that point we'd already been waiting for at least six months right uh, for season three and had to wait for another like six months before it was released and it's like we were just dying for new episodes
2: well i think it was also because they pushed it right so yeah. it was no longer um a summer thing it was a fall thing yeah,
0: yeah. well they pushed it yeah for the winter release yeah and the other interesting thing that adam brings up is that it bridges that cultural divide between him and his partner hmm. um because he's tried to watch things like k-drama or tried to watch other things with his partner and you know not being able to connect with things like you know big bang versus k-drama we're they're completely different different on the spectrum
2: it's not the same categories and i think to to give our audience a little bit of background i believe adam's scottish or he's yeah that's what he says and uh i believe his partner is fully korean right yeah that's what they say yeah yeah I assume they speak English to each other, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know.
0: Maybe Adam really knows his Korean.
2: Very true. Um, yeah. So it is. It is interesting because K drama, as as comedic as some of them are, I still find them very different from the the Western types of. Like comedies or right. or like shows, for instance, even something like Friends, where it has a lot of drama, mm-hmm. it it still is not the same level and it's not the same feeling. So to to watch a show that's from Canada mm-hmm. and have that cultural element infused into it and it's it's actually easily understood by everyone, I find that it's very unique in that sense.
0: Yeah, I I'm really. The one thing that I love about these kind of episodes is that we really get all these different perspectives from people that we didn't get a chance to speak to, and mm. especially all these international fans. Right. And the the fun thing about Adam is that it, he also mentions that he wants to meet up with anybody if he's mm. ever in Toronto. So, right. yeah, make sure to uh, tweet add, him. <laughs> Yeah, tweet him at Adam Cobb, and uh, if he is in town, meet up with him. So next up, we have Dan, who's also from the UK, but uh, he's got a different perspective, well not so different but
2: (laughs) he comes in with a different expectation different set of expectations
0: well he's also um taught in korea Mm, so he has a lot of uh experiences that he can kind of relate with kim's on a different level
2: nice
3: and here's dan hey there Uh, my name's dan i'm from the uk and um become a big fan of the show, and I've been trying to uh, spread the message of Kim's Convenience and get as many people uh, as possible to uh, sit and watch it and uh, become fans of it uh, as well, which of course um, they can do now that it's on Netflix uh, over here. And uh, one of the reasons why I've been watching it is uh, I used to live in South Korea myself. Um, I spent 11 and a half years there in total, uh, working as an English teacher. I worked at a university. I also worked for publishers of textbooks and magazines uh, did editing and proofreading worked with some travel organizations as well. And, um, yeah, um, you know, lived in Korean culture, got to know Korean culture, learned the language, met people who are just like Amma and Appa. And, um, it's a show that, um, I've really become a fan of and and want people to, um, to watch because I think it's just such a great show. Um, I'd actually heard about the show a couple of years ago um, But I only really watched it About eight months ago, last summer And uh, a friend of mine um, Who I had known in Korea I knew a lot of Canadians over there um, We were messaging about something And he mentioned uh, this show He said, oh yeah, you know, there's this show, you should watch it Um, Kim's Convenience, about a Korean convenience store owner uh, In Canada And at the time I kind of thought "Mm, Yeah, Canadian TV show About Koreans, yeah, okay Um, I'd spent a lot of time with these Canadians that I know sort of hearing them banging on about trailer park boys and stuff like that and just you know that show never appealed to me or never really got into it or anything like that so I just thought yeah okay so I vaguely remember having heard about it but last summer last July I went to Canada for the first time I went to uh, Vancouver and I was sitting on the plane it was Air Canada and uh, flicking through the in-flight entertainment system and uh, just seeing what they had on and, uh, you know, it came up, Kim's Convenience. There were three episodes of season one and three episodes of season two, I think, available. And I uh, kind of thought to myself, oh, yeah, there's that show I've heard about. Maybe if I get bored in the, during the flight, uh, you know, might put it on, might give it a go, might watch it. Because I don't really watch television. I don't really watch um, movies either. And um, I did get bored about halfway through the flight. And I thought, yeah, you know, I'll put one on. And I uh, had my noise-cancelling headphones on. And uh, within about five minutes I was laughing And just thinking this show is brilliant This is great You know, this is um, Wow, like, this is good And uh, I think uh, What got me initially was um, I think there were two things really It was the first instance of uh, What you Talking Which I think is uh, Omar talking to Janet In the first episode And then uh, Mr Kim's uh, Okay, see you Which um, I've been I've been on the receiving end of an OKCU quite frequently in Korea. It's a very common expression, uh, I think, over there, and particularly that pronunciation, and particularly in that situation where they're just kind of like, yeah, I'm bored of you now, like, you know, get lost. So I've, um, I've, I've heard that myself, and just the way that um, the actors are sort of encapsulating Koreans and how they talk and how they speak was something that really, really sort of just got me uh, in the first instance. And, um yeah, I was just sitting there going this is this is brilliant, this is great, like really, really liking this, and I really do think they 've done a great job of uh, encapsulating those, that, those people of the, those Korean people of those particular uh, of that particular generation and what they think and how they talk and what they think about and how they talk and um i 've known people just like that, like my landlord and landlady in Seoul were very similar to them, and i 've worked with um uh, people of that generation in Korea. Uh, who speak like that, and the way they they talk and and the kind of the way they 've learned English um, you know without the prepositions or using the wrong verb conjugations at certain times and things like that um, to me it was funny it was great the way they were doing it, and I know uh, from listening to the podcast that um, one of your commentators said that um, they watched it initially and thought that this is making fun of Koreans, which I never got that i I felt that they were doing it in a way that kind of celebrated them, celebrating their Koreanness and celebrated the way that they are. So, you know, that's, that's um, something I never thought they were making fun of Koreans um, when I watched it. But no, I really liked it. I lapped it up and I watched uh, the first three episodes of season one, one after the other, noise-canceling headphones on, laughing out loud. I don't know how loud I was laughing or anything um, on the plane uh, watching it, but uh, after it was done, I just sat there on the plane thinking, oh why can't I text people? Why can't I tell them about this? You know, no Wi-Fi or no signal to uh, to actually let people know. But as soon as I landed and I was meeting friends in Vancouver that I'd known in Korea, it was like, oh, I've watched this show. Have you seen it? Have you been watching it? You've got to watch it. It's brilliant. And then um, pretty much every... uh, people All all the people that I'd met in Canada who had known in Korea had to tell them about it. And I was quite surprised that not a lot of people had been watching it. Um, But, but yeah, that was... um, that's how I got introduced to the show and and, and why I fell for it and I watched um, the next th- three episodes of season two when I flew from Vancouver to uh, Toronto so I think it was episodes four, five and six uh, of season two and um, after that I had to get hold of it and uh, got both seasons and, and sort of carried on watching um, all the way through um, and actually when I was in Toronto I went to a, a, a friend's wedding and I was on the, uh, the streetcar um, the morning before the wedding Which was in the afternoon My Korean friend getting married to my Canadian friend um, They'd come over to do the Canadian side of the wedding And I was on the streetcar Just kind of exploring Toronto And looked up out of the window And randomly there was the store So I had to um, uh, you know, Get off at the next stop and Walk down the street And uh, get my, you know, take a selfie outside the shop And I'd only seen two episodes at that point And I was like This is my new favourite TV show Here's the filming location This is awesome um, yeah, so that's how I got introduced to it. Um, Favourite characters? Um, Appa, of course, um, being the central character. What what I really like about Appa is, um, I think it's Paul's portrayal of um, Appa. I know he's sort of said in some interviews that he bases uh, the character on his father and how his father speaks, but I, I think he's done a great job of encapsulating... Um, a Korean of that generation and of that culture and of that mindset, um, as well. Um, again, I think the thing that really I like is, is how he, he really is speaking like Koreans actually do. Um, although I've heard him in interviews, it doesn't sound as though he's a Korean native speaker. I mean, I might be wrong, but um, it sounds more North American to me. Um, but, um, yeah, I think he does a great job job of doing that. and I think um, Jean does that as well uh, with Mrs. Kim. Initially, I wasn't so sure about you know how she was speaking and um, you know, her accent and things like that, but the more I watch the show, uh, and I've been watching it again and again, and I'm about the third viewing of uh, the first couple of seasons, um, she really is a bit more like a Korean ajumma to me uh, as well. So, uh, favourite characters, Abra, of course. Um, I do like Shannon as well. Shannon, I think, is... Probably Pete Pip's upper um, for me in terms of um, comedic performance. Uh, I think Nicole Powell does a great job of um, just inflecting and delivering the lines in such a comedic way. I think she does that uh, sort of brilliantly. Um, although Pastor Nina's becoming a favourite um, in some of the episodes of season three that I've seen. Uh, as well, again, for the timing, the delivery, the way that she's saying things as well. Uh, But no, Shannon's an interesting character, um, and I think there's a bit more to discover about her, whether, you know, how she's so perky, the whole thing about, you know, her sort of living with her cats as well. I know now she's with Alejandro, but um, I think there's quite a lot of Shannon's backstory, uh, a lot of potential uh, with her as well. Uh, But Shannon is a favourite character of mine. I just think she's uh, just really, really, really funny. Um, when it comes to favourite episodes, I, I can't really say that I've got one particular episode that is a favourite as a whole. I think I tend to enjoy certain storylines in episodes um, and have favourite like A stories or favourite B stories uh, from particular episodes rather than one episode uh, as a whole or particular scenes that I like um, a lot. Um, I think, for me, if I had to pick a favourite episode... I do like the episode where um, Janet and Upper are sort of um, fighting over the meatballs, the, the marketing conspiracy and the best before date and um, how stubborn they are with each other and how they won't um, admit to each other that um, they're ill and um, just the whole thing about it being all, all being a conspiracy. Um it's just something I find really funny. I think that's, that's a really good episode. Uh, particular scenes that I like, I love it. I love the episode where Janet gets the job at Handy and um, she's talking to Shannon and Shannon's trying to find out more about Jung. And um, she keeps flipping the sign down and back up when she's switching between boss Shannon and friend Shannon. Uh, that's a particular favourite scene uh, of mine. Um, I, I, I recognise a lot of the uh, cultural things um, uh, as well, you know Janet, I think, is one of the characters that is there to sort of represent somebody who is second generation and kind of crossing between the two different cultures because she 's got her Korean heritage, but she 's never fully connected with it um but she 's got her Canadian identity as well I think she 's one of she 's that character that 's um carrying that part um, that, that part forward um although I find Janet sometimes a little bit annoying because I think there 's so many episodes where she kind of messes up. And does something stupid or just does something that she doesn't think about Um, she doesn't seem to learn from it but I do like Janet a lot um, as well I think she'll probably grow a little bit more Um, so what does the show mean to me I think it's um, it's a special show to me because it's got a connection back to Korea and um, it's also got that little connection to Canada because I, I was looking um, to perhaps go and live in Canada Actually last year That didn't work out um, But I spent um, quite a bit of time there And I spent quite a bit of time Sort of roaming around Toronto And getting to know it And getting to know some of the neighbourhoods And, uh, and stuff like that So I recognise a lot of Toronto uh, In the incidental shots or In the opening titles And things like that um, I've known a lot of Canadians as well through my time in Korea. Sort of know a lot about Canadian culture and identity and multiculturalism and, and things like that. So, uh, what I really like about the show is that it's not, it's kind of c- celebrating the Koreanness, um, but also a lot of the recurring characters that come through the store. They seem to be uh, quite multicultural as well. And how and what I really like as well is how just everybody just really likes Mr. and Mrs. Kim um, on the whole you know all these people come in they seem to know them and 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 like them and they seem to have you know ingratiated themselves in the community as well and i like the fact that you know they're just they happen to be korean but they're part of that and i think that's something that shows what canada is like um as well so it's something that i see two you know two different things i've experienced two different worlds which um are there in this show that I've experienced, and so it's a bit of a special show to me. A little bit bittersweet because it didn't work out that my move to Toronto, but um, yeah, certainly a celebration of uh, Koreanness is what I get from the show. I don't think it's making fun of them. I think it's celebrating um, who they are, uh, their cultural identities, where they've come from. I, I particularly like um, some of the things like um, apa reporting the car the the parked cars if they're Japanese he reports them if they're Hyundai then he doesn't report the things like that Um, those types of things are things I have to sort of explain to my British friends who may not know the relationship between Korea and Japan or certain Korean cultural things like the mothers meddling in the children's romantic lives you know um, know, Janet in the first episode and then there's the later episode with Grace Lee with Mrs Lee and uh, Mrs Kim sort of meddling um there uh, so there's a lot of things that um come up that i've experienced and i know about you know i've lived i've lived in the korean culture um yeah and would it be successful in korea i mean i've already had this conversation with a korean friend of mine who really loves the show um she's been watching it on netflix because uh, it's on netflix over there and she says it's it's so great to see um koreans on television and you know they're they're a very positive example of Koreans you know she likes the positivity that comes out of it and the fact that um you know that she says it's great to see them you know she says even 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 knowing that they're making grammar mistakes and things like that uh she says it's fun and it's cute to Koreans um and it's just nice for them to see themselves on television in uh, in another country and I think, um, I think Koreans would like it. You know, it, it's, uh, they do really seem to like things that introduce Korean culture uh, around the world. They're very proud of their culture and, and they do try to promote it. And I think um, the show does that. And I think, um, I, think I think they would like it. Yeah, I think it would be uh, a hit. And I think Koreans would be able to connect to it. Yeah, so I do think that um, it will go down well uh, over in Korea so uh, yeah so that 's my brief um, that 's my brief overview of uh, the show, what it means to me, how I got into it, and things like that and uh, yeah, thanks for um, asking me to uh, to give that to you so uh, cheers
0: thanks, Dan, and you can follow Dan at postcards from d one on Twitter. So next up, we have Josh from Australia. Uh, he, I've been following him on Twitter for a while. He has his own podcast, which he'll mention in his thing. And uh, we'll let Josh take it away from here. Hello
4: there, fellow Kimbits and viewers of Kim's Convenience and listeners to Watch You Talking Podcast. I'm Josh, also known on the socials as Abang Pinoy. And... For those of you that might have seen a few months ago, I am the guy that clapped back at Slate for the uh, Kim's Convenience article. (laughs) Um, yeah. So a little bit about myself. I am currently in Brisbane, Australia. And apart from binging Netflix, I'm a counseling student and I also host the Great Mates podcast, which is myself plus a bunch of other young Australians, which talking usually about pop culture. Uh We had a whole stint of Queer Eye, Crazy Rich Asians, also Kim's Convenience episodes that you can listen to basically everywhere. Yeah, I'm just going to, you know, just talk about some of the favorite things about the show that I love and more about it. Uh So how I got introduced to the show itself was actually through Simu's involvement in a lot of Wong Fu production content. The first time I saw Simu was um when Wong Fu had his the short that he produced along with Tina, called Meeting Mummy, if uh should still be available on YouTube somewhere. But yeah, that's really where the first sort of um thing I, I I do remember him talking about the fact that he was on Kim's Convenience and then knowing that Kim's wasn't available yet and then finding out it had been released on Netflix. In July 2018. Yeah, that's basically how I sort of got to know, um, the show itself and to get to, you know, interact with a lot of the, you guys, the gambits, the online community. And yet yeah, it's gone from there. My favorite character, I think has to be Simu's. So Chong, because, you know, eldest child, I relate a lot to that. Um, but also because I, I see the fact that he really wants to better himself as a person and wants to get away from the stigma that is attached to him because of his past in Juvie. And, you know, he really wants to become a better person overall. And yeah, more to it than just shirtless Simu. Although we've discussed this before um (laughs) on twitter in terms of the episodes i really have to split it between two so in terms of like comedy comedy wise i feel like for me that would have to be in season two has to be the second episode so the business award just because um the whole thing about shannon getting the bike and then you know not getting used to it giving it to the homeless guy that usually comes in sometimes uh, um and that whole like story arc in that episode also the the very specific scene uh about Apape um that is also very funny for me um But in terms of emotional impact, I think that has to be the final episode of season two, which is oh. Handy Graduation. Um You see where Jung is really now moving a lot faster and progressing. And he really wants to become the better person that he wants to be. And in that Janet throughout, you know. Always being the youngest child, um, having been the youngest child, and um, even though she's, you know, she, she has all these successes as well, um, she doesn't seem to understand the relevance or the importance that Jung has completed his GD. And to see that sort of tension build up throughout the season, that you know, coming to the climax at at the party, that sort of brought a lot of. Yeah, it was just very emotionally heavy, um, that episode. And that's why I love it so much is that we get there and it's sort of resolved, but there's a lot of questions that I hope will be addressed in the next season. Um, especially given the fact that, um, Jung's out of a job. Um, and Kinshi's basically taken his place. And also, you know, the whole thing with Shannon what's gonna happen now all these unanswered questions just made it uh, for me a very good episode and what the show means to me well i come from a um an immigrant family but i also do have a lot um you know i'm a sort of a blended culture kid i am filipino by heritage I grew up in Singapore for the first um, part of my life, and then we moved here to Australia. Um, and we've been here for the last 15-ish years. So I grew up with a lot of mixed identities, um, exposed to a lot of different cultures. And Kim's, and I've said this also in the thread that I did a few months ago, is that Kim's is a show regardless of your cultural identity you can relate to because the characters are written to be those characters it just so happens that they're asian the and you'll see a greater impact um with the asian migrant community or even you know the asian community because of that representation in media that we don't really see and um and I love it more so because of the family dynamics, the relationships that, you know, that have been built up, have been broken, rebuilt again. Um, you look at the, the struggle that Janet constantly sees herself in trying to, um, figure out who she is as a person. Um, in terms of family, in terms of where she is um, in her growing career, um, and trying to make a name for herself. Um, You look at Jung, who I've previously said, you know, he's also struggling now, especially after the final episode of the season is now trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And... Look how far he's come in spite of having that stigma still attached to him, um, especially within his own community. From Mrs. Park, in particular, you know, if you look at Appa and 엄마, um their relationship with each other, um, their relationship with their own children, respectively, like you know, there's a lot of things that you can take out of the show that even if you don't necessarily relate to the character's ethnicity or the cultural background. It's because of these, the way that it's written, the way that it's been produced, that you will take something out of it and you'll see your parents in it. You'll see your kids um, in some of the characters. You'll see your friends in some of these characters. You'll know what it's like probably to have been for one of a better word, particularly whitesplained your cultural heritage by someone who has no idea of your own story and, um, you know, doesn't acknowledge, um, your own contributions to that story. You know, I could talk for ages about how good the show is and it's always striving to, you know, do better as appa says, you can do better. Um, <laughs> and that's really why i love the show so much um but yeah if you want to find me as i said before in the intro uh you can find me on my socials as abangpinoy a b a n g p i n o y um i also said before i do host a podcast called great mates podcast gr8 M-8-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, um, basically everywhere. We talk about Crazy Rich Asians. We talk about Queer Eye. We talk about um, Kims. We talk about life in Australia. Um, growing up with, you know, different backgrounds. Asian Australian, um, Anglo-Australian, australian um, We talk about accents sometimes and so much more. So if you want to go listen to us, feel free to do so. Come and hit us up on socials, Great Mates Podcast. Um, Thank you, Mike, for allowing me to contribute to the podcast episode. And okay, see you.
0: From Pakistan, we have Youssef. And I know he's a huge Andrea Bang fan because he always seems to be keeping tabs on her work. (laughs) So uh, here we go. Here's Youssef.
5: Hi everyone, this is Yusuf Mumtaz from Lahore, Pakistan. I went to college in Portland, Oregon and lived there for five years from 1999 to 2004. I moved back to Pakistan and I got involved in the family business of selling medical devices. I first saw Kim's convenience last summer when it popped up as a suggested pick on Netflix. Saw the first episode and I ended up binging the whole series over two to three days. The way the family interacts reminds me of my family, particularly of my relationship with my parents. My favorite character on the show is Janet. I can relate to her the most. I do not go around interfering or getting involved in other people's business as she does, but I am socially awkward and I have had to settle disputes. I also relate to her efforts to navigate the adult world while trying to keep said independence. I also like her interactions with Gerald, who somehow makes Janet look like a smooth operator. Andrea Bang is, a very, is also a very expressive actor, and I enjoy what she does with the character. Uh, I have tried to keep up with all her other projects and look forward to seeing her in more work. My favorite episodes are many. Dong Chin because of the absurd situation, Wingman because of the interaction between Appa and Uma and Janet and Jung, Rude kid for exposing the differences in child rearing between Asian and Western families. Hapkido because of seeing Appa get set up by Janet. Janet's roommate because I can relate to Janet's attempt for independence. Resting place uh, because of the whole massage a game bit. Janet's boyfriend because you start liking Raj Mehta and really hate him at the end. Hashtag screw Handy graduation because it exposes Janet's insecurities in relation to Jung. Having lived in the U.S., I can say that for the first time I saw an Asian family in North America that reflects how I know other Asian or recent immigrant families live when transplanted. Unlike other shows with similar setups, the family dynamics are more relatable to me. The show makes me feel that our circumstances can become part of the conversation in these societies.
0: Well, that's it for me. Okay, see you. Thank you, Yousef. And remember, you can catch him at C-Y-M-U-M-T-A-Z on Twitter. And last but not least, we have Steve, who's been a long-time Toronto fan. Uh, we've seen him at a couple of events that we've been to. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Steve.
6: Hi, my name is Steve, and I am a Kim Convenience fan, otherwise known as a Kimbit Uh, I got introduced to this show while it was on reruns during the summer and really found it to be really funny, a nice Asian take on family and comedy itself. And from then on, I've been a fan ever since. Uh, For me, my favorite character is Jung, uh, only because I identify with him the most in terms of my struggle with my relationship with my dad, and vice versa. Uh, For me, uh, the show means a lot in terms of diversity and representation uh, of Asians in the mainstream and in real life. Uh, For me lately, the show has been a light at the end of a dark tunnel Uh, because I've recently had to go through some major family tragedy um, concerning the death, or a couple deaths in the family, and really with the lightness, the comedy, and a little bit of reality that Kim's Convenience has brought, it's actually brought a light to the end of the tunnel. It's actually made me laugh again and you know this is the summer 2018 of Kim Kim's convenience has actually uh helped me to get back out uh with my friends and in that social arena that social area a huge huge shout out to Inns Choi uh, for writing such a great play, and to the actors who bring these characters to life to Paul, Jean, Simu, Andrea, Andrew, Nicole, Sujit, uh, Michael, Ben, Christina. If there's anyone else I've missed the left out, I apologize. You've all made a difference. Um, in my life and I, like I said earlier it, you've brought a lightness at uh, the end of a very dark and depressing tunnel and I thank you all for that and I thank uh, all my other fellow Kimbits for uh, keeping uh, you know Kim's convenience and what the cast does uh up and running and uh, ongoing notifications on Twitter and a huge shout out to uh, Alfredo who's been spearheading the Kim's Convenience fans uh, webpage Facebook page and uh, the two uh, Kim's Convenience fan gatherings that we've had to date a huge shout out to you as well Thank you all. Um, don't know what else to say other than again, a huge thanks.
0: Thanks, Steve. And if you want to follow Steve, you can follow him at Steve six one eight on Twitter. Now, one of the questions that I always ask people when they want to send submissions, uh, for us is, you know, what does Kim's mean for you? And, uh, I really found that Steve's story, how he was able to connect with it and how it comforted him during a tough time, uh, Well, it hit me, anyway, because Mm -hmm. Kim's has that effect of, you know, uh, everybody talks about the comedy, but it also has all the feels to it as well.
2: It has a lot of touching moments.
0: Right. And And it's
2: very sincere. And it really, I think it's what draws the audience in more so than the comedy. But because they bridge it with the comedy, you have that kind of relief from the seriousness of, of the undertone of some parts of the shows.
0: So we've talked about season two and I guess season one to to death, really. Uh, but let's wrap up season two. How, I guess, how did you feel about season two overall?
2: Um, I felt that definitely the material from the play was already used up. Um, yeah. So we weren't seeing much of the, the super serious gut-wrenching tone throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very nice to see all of the relationships kind of coming to fruition, the things that it's been set up for during season one. You know, the the Shan relationship, the Apa and Jung reconnecting, and Janet starting to have her own, I guess, her own adult life because in the play she is an adult. She's no longer a child or like yeah. someone that's still in school. She works as a photographer, so it felt like that that was tying back into it, where mm-hmm. you know she she's still studying photography and she's going off on her own to do this now. So it felt that it felt like it was very neat Mm -hmm. of a package that was kind of coming together until Mm -hmm. the very final scenes and final episodes where everything Mm -hmm. falls apart again. Um, But had they have not done those scenes at the end, I truly feel that it could have been the end of the series Had they had they not been renewed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt that about season one as well even though things weren't all nicely tied up, it could have ended easily on that. And the way Mm -hmm. that they did it, like shooting the scene or how they directed the scene, how they just turned off all the lights Mm -hmm. in the store. And that was like kind of the close to the season. Mm -hmm. What I found out later and during season two is that when they... They purchased a series or, you know, bought mm-hmm. the series for one season. They actually bought it for two seasons. So ah, okay. they had planned they for season two as well at that point. Mm. And yeah, I totally agree. They could have easily ended the series at season two. Yeah, uh, It wouldn't have left you lingering like all those stupid cliffhangers on all the other shows. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are, what's going to happen? What's going to, you know, Um but yeah, it was it was a nice way that they closed it off. I liked season two's character growth progression, especially mm. for uh, Jung. As we've said a number of times during the season, is that it felt like a deconstruction of Jung the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Jung as he's building up to his relationship with Appa, uh, well... To right. the reunion of that, and mm. and even uh, if we take a look at his whole education arc, right? Right. Uh, they had that board game night, and then he realizes, <laughs> hey, maybe I should go back to school, mm. and he got his GED, which led to everything coming up to the handy graduation,
2: and then his history comes back to haunt him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and that that's the genius of the writers, right? Mm. They they don't try to make things too unrealistic they try to mm-hmm. ground everything really nicely of mm-hmm. course uh up the one thing that i liked about Uppa and jung mm-hmm. in this is that even though they had the reunion not everything is sunshine and rainbows right no, of course that not. They, they kind have of, their
2: awkwardness <laughs>
0: well yeah especially in that last episode handy mm-hmm. graduation right um there it's not everything's going to be fixed over one drink and a couple of texts of course not mm-hmm. so uh, the genius of the writers and you know we've at this point we've seen season three uh mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about it right now <laughs> but uh yeah i i think they kind of dance around those kind of things because of the great development from season two mm-hmm. and uh, i guess we'll see what happens during season three and four which again they purchased two seasons in a row so they probably have some big roadmap of where they're going
2: yay, season four.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And again, I guess... and uh, not not to brag or anything but we we were out yesterday uh, at this point it mm. is march in 2019 <laughs> and we we had a chance to see the cast again right uh, be- not
2: the whole cast but
0: yeah not the whole mm. cast we we lined up for like what an hour and a half in yeah. this line to go see them and in the we,
2: cold rain <laughs> we, we
0: barely missed them because uh they were only in in their spot for like two hours and we got to see them like five or less than five minutes before they went right. off. But and,
2: and it wasn't even that they were running off like security and yeah, all the staff were like, out. you guys have to move from this area. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Oh. <laughs> and posters were getting taken down.
0: <laughs> but again, the cast, uh, you know, they're, they're super talented and mm-hmm. everything, but they're also super nice down to earth people. Yeah. Like when we saw Nicole, she, mm picked us out out of the crowd and then she came in to like give us a big hug and Mm -hmm. paul even though i'm slightly trolling him (laughs) my meme shirt you know he's like hey come come on come here we'll take a photo
3: together yeah and
2: he seems so tired they must have been like there for so long and having to i guess have the mental capacity to remember all their fans and say hi to them and have like personal comments not just like you know generic hi great it was great seeing you know like i saw paul chatting with so many people and with each one he would have a different conversation so it's not like they're just random faces that come up to him he knows who who we are and he really Mm -hmm. cares about us as fans and yeah that's 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 very hard to come by.
0: Yeah, so if you're an international fan, uh, really try to make out to (laughs) any kind of events that you do see them going out to. Like during the year, they have made their way throughout the States. Uh, Just recently, they're at Harvard.
2: Right. And uh, (laughs)
0: different parts of the U.S. as well. Simu's trying to make himself available pretty much all over the world as long as uh, you can get some sort of organization to invite him. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where else they end up in the world
2: that's true i know nicole's super busy because she's doing a lot of plays at uh the soul soul pepper yeah soul pepper at uh, the theater in the distillery district so i don't think she'll be traveling anytime soon (laughs) but she's such a sweetheart i love her it was it was amazing that she even noticed us in the crowd and she remembered i i don't tweet as much and i'm not very active but she remembered my name and it was Mm -hmm. just it was just so endearing
0: yeah and andrew who we didn't get to see yesterday he's also one of like the nicest people yes definitely and we
2: always see him and support him at the bad dog theater when he does his shows
0: right and he recently moved to toronto but (laughs) i know he's willing to go out to any of these comic cons or any of these kind of things as well to do speaking and Mm -hmm. uh, i really hope that these cons especially if you're organizing and you're a fan like try to probably invite them because they mm. love to go to these things. They're big fans of all these, you know, sci-fi, geeky <laughs> kind of things. And and uh, yeah, we've seen them in Toronto a couple times yes. as well during these things. And and Appa Paul, he dresses up for these things as well. Yes. He's a huge Star Wars uh, fan, so. And
2: Ghostbusters. <laughs> and Ghostbusters
0: as well. That's yeah. right.
2: I think the only one that we don't get too much interaction with is Andrea. Because unfortunately, she's not from yes, Toronto. But she's super but, nice. Yeah, she's super nice. She's super sweet. I remember her coming out to uh, Andrew's shows. One of his shows that we were at. Right. And she stayed the whole time. Yeah. Um, During like a fan interaction. And she was just so sweet to have like a conversation with. Because we, we never get that chance. So, yeah. And
0: make sure to get a photo with her. Because she makes like the best face
2: <laughs> yes that's
0: the only thing i regret from like yesterday i didn't get a photo with andrea but you know yeah. next time
2: i saw her photo bombing someone when paul was taking pictures oh, with two no. kids Yeah, oh, <laughs> she so jumped funny. in right above paul's head and it was hilarious i just watched it but yeah like you said it was super crowded so it was really hard to take pictures without mm-hmm. blocking people mm-hmm. so try not to do that but yeah if you follow her twitter you also see the little i don't know what they're called it's like her her inanimate object animations oh, yeah, yeah. yeah those it's hilarious funny. those
0: are funny i mean she's yeah. a really talented writer and she yeah. has a good sense of humor yes. as well so uh <laughs> yeah definitely catch anything that she's writing it uh-huh. and <laughs> you can actually probably ask Yusef, uh who was just on this because he follows all her all her projects and he's yeah. actually messaging me in the back like to tell you about yeah them. oh and nice he's like oh <laughs> Yeah, we should uh, check this out, but... Um,
2: well, if we're ever in Vancouver, hopefully we'll be able to catch something of hers.
0: Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. But yeah, we've been really fortunate this year to also check out a lot of the other talent and they're, you know, on the stage. Right. Uh, for example, we saw Michael Musey, Yes. When he did his French show, we oh, saw... Man.
2: That was like a totally different role. It was, it was not Michael. (laughs) Yeah,
0: he warned us already that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is not going to be Terrence. This is somebody else. And yeah, he was completely different when he. Yeah. And during the show, he dropped like an F bomb, and at that point, we're like, "What?"
2: Yeah, and I mean, like, we've met Michael outside of the Kim show, and he—he's
0: a super nice. Yeah,
2: he's a super nice guy. He's nice. Like the Terrence nice, but then he's not as oblivious as Terrence. (laughs) (laughs) So then when he was like this super serious, angry, confused character, I was like, whoa.
0: (laughs) He also has this other project called Hogtown. that uh, He is trying to, I guess, fund.
2: Oh, right. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. So if you find yourself on Vimo, uh, try to look up. Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah.
2: V-I-M-E-O. Yeah. Vimeo.
0: I'm glad you're here. (laughs) that but uh yeah make sure that you go and watch it because it seems like it's a fun project
2: yeah definitely so if you're on twitter if you follow michael you will actually see him talking about it and he did post a link where you can watch the full trailer and it is hilarious and amazing um i believe he also posted it on on instagram under Mm -hmm. the hogtown Uh, which is hogtown underscore to yeah yeah so if you follow that you'll be able to see the trailers the little clips that he does um and there's a link there of course for the fund me page
0: Mm -hmm. and you know, we talked about Nicole earlier and how she was on Soul Pepper. We mm-hmm. got to see her in Sisters. So, right. again, that was a completely different side to Nicole. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not Shannon, obviously. It's, it's not
2: Shannon. And it's not Nicole either, right? Yeah. yeah so, it's, it was very different. And
0: as we speak, she's actually in another show for Soul Pepper that mm-hmm. is sold out. So, we're not even going to be able to see that. <laughs> no,
2: no. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It was actually Sojit. Uh, who plays Mr. Meta? Who told me that? Yeah, Soul Pepper says that that run sold out.
2: No, uh, no. Yeah,
0: and speaking that was quick. Of, <laughs> and speaking of Soja, we got to see him in something else this oh, year. Oh, right, yes, uh, we did. The Men in White, which yes. again, it's not Mr. Meta. He, no. And, he had no accent either yeah because he was telling me that this is he really wanted to do this one because it was one of the roles that he didn't have to do an accent for right right and uh it was a very very powerful show i would actually go and watch this again if i had the chance
2: Uh, all the actors were amazing mm -hmm. it was it was an all-male cast but it was still very capturing the story was was super powerful. Like it really touches you and really makes you think about the issues and problems outside of Canada. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the ending was quite shocking. Actually there, there were a lot of moons in the, in the show that I wasn't expecting because I didn't read about it ahead of time. So that was shocking for me.
0: (laughs) And this is coming from a person who will usually pick up most twists in movies. Like this is going (laughs) to happen. No, it's not. Oh, you're right again. Uh." (laughs)
2: Yeah, and speaking of plays, we did see Jean yesterday in a play. Yep, we yeah.
0: did, in The Gamblers over in Barrie, right. which, uh, for international fans, uh, Barrie is like an hour and a half drive north of Toronto. Right. It's mm-hmm. a small town just before, it's kind of like the gateway before you hit cottage country. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, she was starting, starring in a play there, directed by uh, Esther Jung, who was the original Janet back in the Kim's Convenience play in 2011 in the fringe very first like Mm -hmm. kim's convenience play
2: that's so cute yeah it's like they're all together and then they're together again
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly Mm. so yeah i mean again fantastic performance by jean and uh yes she
2: played something that was quite different yeah than expectations i like when I, i read the play and i was trying to understand where Jean would would fit in and I'm like I, d- I don't understand in her role like where they would put her until I saw it on stage
0: and the stage is so different because especially Jean's role she had so many lines I right, was just standing well, there like or sitting there like oh well, how is she remembering all, all this, that yeah. yeah and yeah we I guess last but not least we got to see Paul host <laughs> right. that show the, the Canada's Smartest, Smartest Person Junior, Junior. yeah yeah right. And uh, yeah, it's a completely different thing from all the theater stuff. Um, You know, it's that it seems to be some sort of balance between scripted and then being dynamic at the same time, right?
2: Yeah, because he does have to read like the teleprompter Mm -hmm. notes and all the stuff on there. But it's definitely very different from live stage because there's Mm -hmm. so many breaks, there's so many outtakes that like they they will do a shot over and over. And. Yeah, it's a very long process.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we were sitting there and the episode they were recording was the finale, but we only Mm. got to see half of the finale. Right, because it took half a day. Yeah, it took half a day. Like, usually when they're showing stuff on the screens, it like takes probably (laughs) Milliseconds? Yeah, (laughs) on the screen, on TV, it's like milliseconds. But when you're sitting there, it takes like half an hour to do all that process. crazy. I think the other thing is that he was a really good fit for that, not only Mm -hmm. because he is dynamic and he's charismatic and everything, but he's also a very sympathetic person, like especially for Mm -hmm. those kids and especially for a finale, right? Right. These shows, like, they're kicking off kids all the time or like contestants, right? And Mm -hmm. on top of that, these are kids, right? You need somebody who's kind of a sympathetic figure. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't know if that's the right word, but... um, Just somebody who will kind of relate to and Mm -hmm. feel for and like he he was there. Like when the kids were like leaving, he he, you could see the emotion in him. He actually felt for the kids.
2: Of course. He is a father himself, a great one. Yeah. And also he he did mention when certain contestants were were leaving and i guess because he had a connection with them i think he either tweeted us or he did it in an interview he was saying how it was it was heartbreaking for him like yeah. to see how like they had to leave mm-hmm. and it had nothing to do with you know their smarts or how brilliant they are how mm-hmm. charismatic the kids are it it's it's just the fact in the nature of a show mm-hmm. you you can't have all contestants win they have to leave at some point
0: mm-hmm. yeah and we also got to see uh, Simu actually yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not really performing hosting
0: well yeah he was hosting at uh, this thing called nighted up in markham mm-hmm. it was uh it's basically a night market that kind of mimics asian night markets in asia yeah
2: so it's like an annual night market that originally i think started off with some sort of student associate association i think um but it's gone pretty big and they've moved it from a smaller location to the markham civic center mm-hmm. which is like a much larger venue and supposedly more parking, but I could debate on that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and he
2: was the host for the night.
0: Yeah. He, he was on stage. I think he was on stage for like four to five hours. which
2: was just crazy.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I guess most hosts in between those gigs will probably sit down and rest, but he yeah. made himself available to meet fans during yes, that time. He
2: had like a kind of back end unposted about line where he would <laughs> meet and talk to you and take pictures. And he was so nice. I saw him like, getting his staff to like I, I don't know if it was his manager or assistant yeah. to get food for the rest of the staff and yeah. to pick up drinks because i'm sure everybody's busy and tired after mm. such a long day and it's it's the middle of summer yeah so it's hot out there yeah. there's no ac it's fully outdoors
0: by the time we finally got to see him uh because the lineups were so <laughs> long just to even just say hi
2: and they weren't like it's not a line that was even posted about yeah
0: yeah his his voice was so hoarse <laughs> he was like so gone <laughs> yeah. uh just because again he 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 made that effort to meet everybody right. take photos with them talk mm-hmm. with them and everything yeah and uh yeah i mean like it, it just goes to show how far these guys will go for their fans for sure and finally i guess we can talk about andrew andrew of course is that bad dog he's a, he's pretty <laughs> much a bad dog now that he's moved to toronto he makes he does a number of improv shows Mm -hmm. across the city um but yeah he always he always has time i guess well especially for us i guess i think
2: his coming up show is the one where he's he's playing drag right
0: yeah he's doing drag and then he has another one where it's like a later at night show where it's about drunk people okay. i guess or something. i just
2: find the drag one interesting because he says it's the first one who he's ever done or yeah. he's ever going to do so <laughs> it's like that's interesting i would like to see his take on this
0: <laughs> but yeah if you ever have the chance and i know we've said this over and over in the podcast to watch him do improv uh that may be enough reason to come to toronto and just yeah. uh to see him perform because he is really good at mm-hmm. what he does
2: and like even during the improv shows because it's usually a battle or there's other people right Mm -hmm. his competitors generally are really great as well they're Mm -hmm. they're local artists local talent Canadian mostly that we've seen anyways so it's it's very interesting to see these shows and as one of our friends who's a theater actor says improv is hard to come by good improv is even harder (laughs) so generally I would say it's good improv whenever we go to bad dog theater I don't think I've seen a bad show
0: yeah we've been really fortunate so I guess that's the show for, for today. Well, actually, for all of Season 2 as we wrap up this uh, last episode of What You Talking Podcast. And we want to thank everybody who gave us submissions for this, and especially those who we put on, Adam, Dan, Josh, Yusuf, and Steve for taking part. And a big, big thank you to all our guests for this season. Uh, Mel, Lisa, Hazel, Eugene, Chi hung and beauty, Jay, Manda, Lizette, and especially to Tina Jung.
2: Yes, indeed. I can't I still can't believe Tina took the time and invited us over just to do the podcast. That was that was very sweet of her. Yeah, Very kind. It, yeah, yeah.
0: It was such a fun episode mm-hmm. to record, and uh, so much background stuff that we could talk about. And it really got me excited on doing other interviews like that.
2: Right. But yeah, uh,
0: yeah I mean, Tina was awesome the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Such an easy interview to do. <laughs> and make sure to follow Tina on Twitter at Tina Y Jung, to or her? Tina underscore Jung on Instagram. Again, she's a great talent, so I I have full confidence she's going to be great in whatever she's going to be doing.
2: I know. Maybe she'll make a return to Kim's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I kind of hope that Jeannie makes a return to uh, Rock Jung's world a bit, but uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see what the writers have in store for season four, Mm -hmm. because we already know what happens in season three. (laughs) (laughs) Stop teasing the audience. (laughs) And again, that wraps season two. Again, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you've all been great with your comments and your stories. And, uh, and for one last time for season two, if you have any comments, questions, or stories to share, email them to what you talking at gmail.com or tweet me at mikeun82. Remember, you can catch this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. And a whole bunch of other things that I I just discovered recently, but
2: oh. <laughs> yeah,
0: by <laughs> <Recently, laughs> mistake at
2: the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, at the,
0: at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, you can catch us everywhere. And uh, yeah, until the next time. Okay, see you. Oh,
2: shouldn't we count? <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, one, two, three. Okay, okay see, see you. you.